fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolfpack, what is going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves here with your week two fantasy recap. And my God, do we have a ton to cover tonight. That's why I'm a little later than scheduled because I could not stop packing the show sheet. We got humongous injuries. It was a devastating, bloody Sunday of a massacre with injuries. Saquon Barkley, torn ACL. Christian McCaffrey, out four to six weeks. Cortland Sutton, another torn ACL. Huge injuries to unpack. Tons of risers and fallers in light of everything. I know Monday Night Football is on the TV now, but if you're here live, get any questions you want answered after we cover all the news. But we got to dive right in at the top with the humongous Injury news, Saquon Barkley, torn ACL, done for 2020, and that is a killer for the consensus number two overall pick. There's not a whole ton of backup plans right there on the roster. You know, Deion Lewis seeing 10 carries, 20 yards, gets into the end zone, but that is horrible. They're working out Devonta Freeman, so yay. This line is so bad. It's going to be a committee no matter what happens at this point. The overall offense looks in shambles. I imagine they just completely turn it over to Daniel Jones and just see what he can do. Ultimately, I don't want any part of this backfield. I'm looking elsewhere for my backup plans. And one of those is going to be Mike Davis because also at the top of your drafts, number one overall pick, Christian McCaffrey, also out four to six weeks. Not a full season like Barkley, so not quite as devastating, but still a healthy chunk, a nice quarter to third of your fantasy season is going to be taken up by this injury. Mike Davis is by far the most immediate priority add if you own Christian McCaffrey. Comes right in, sees eight targets in the fourth quarter, Mike Davis does. Racks up 80 yards on them. Should be the immediate plug-and-play guy. There's no one else there. Uh, so ultimately, Davis is your uh, direct backup. But there's plenty of other areas to look here on the waiver wire. My number one option, even above Davis, especially if you don't own Christian McCaffrey, would be Jarek McKinnon. And why is that? Well, Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman both out for at least week three, which launches McKinnon right up to the stratosphere, right up to the moon here for fantasy. Now, he shouldn't be on your waiver wires, but he's only 22% owned right now. Uh, and he's going to by far get the lion's share of work. Maybe Jeff Wilson gets worked in. I, I've seen that narrative. Shore probably steals a, a vulture touchdown here and there. But it's going to be the McKinnon show. He's already the primary third down back. Came right in, lit it up, had a nice 31-yard run on third and 31. The fucking Jets, what a joke. But this is what we're waiting for. We've been hyping up McKinnon all preseason as the must pick in round 12 and 13 in case he ever became the starter. Now he's going to finally get his shot. Now Mostert has looked fantastic. I don't think it's just an automatic, you know, McKinnon looks good and then Mostert goes away. It's only a mild sprain for Mostert. But I first look for Jarek McKinnon as a replacement plan for, again, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley being out. 
Also, Mike Davis comes right there in number two, at, uh, only 1% owned. So he's more likely to be out there for you and definitely an immediate slide in for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, not, I mean, immediate slide in. He's not Christian McCaffrey, but eight catches again in the fourth quarter. But I also look to McKinnon. I look to Daryl Henderson at 30% owned right now, seem to take over that Rams backfield as a potential play. Otherwise, maybe you go for the Devonta Freeman stab, 13% owned, likely to get picked up there, and maybe he carves out some steady volume. But again, I'm not looking for a replacement directly in the Giants' backfield if I don't have to. I'd much rather find it with these other options. I mean, hey, maybe Josh Kelly's somehow still out there in your league. Invite me if he is, but that guy's a touchdown machine in an offense that is certainly rising under Justin Herbert there. Uh, so I like him. And last replacement plan potential is Miles Gaskin. I mean, certainly, again, nothing sexy here for the Dolphins, but he has been the snap and touch leader by a long shot miles Gaskin has been. Uh, and so you got to give him at least a slight look because this offense has had tough matchups and is still putting up points. You know, Gaskins goes seven carries for 36 hauls in six of his seven targets for another 36. So 72 total yards. Yeah. You know, Howard is the vulture, but this guy is the clear snap and touch leader in this backfield uh, for two straight weeks. So it's not necessarily at this point, it's not a fluke. It wasn't just a one week mirage. I really think uh, miles Gaskin, if you're desperate is yet another spot, only 15% owned that you can look for your Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, emergency fill in plans. Again, another huge injury though. Cortland Sutton, just as he returns to play goes and tears his ACL, uh, making a tackle on an interception. Nonetheless, and so the aftermath just directly until we can talk about, you know, backup plans in a second, but Noah Fant and Jerry Judy time, uh, definitely both skyrocketing up the big board rest of season. Uh, you can find that at rotostreetjournal.com. Uh, look for the rest of season big board there. Both those guys get a nice bump up in particular. I really like Fant. I mean, I already bumped him up into my top seven tight ends last week and then Noah Fant goes off yet again uh, this week in a much tougher matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, goes off 57 yards in a TD, but for tight ends on four catches, five targets, that's legitimate, especially against the Pittsburgh secondary that you know shadows tight ends often with Minka Fitzpatrick. We saw them take Evan Ingram out of the game, but Fant was running all over the place after the catch. He's now up to 10 catches, 136 yards, and two scores on the season. Uh, and again, not in the easiest of matchups. He, to me, becomes the clear benefactor here. Jerry Judy also gets a slight bump up here. Um, you know, the target share should go up. And I think you got to feel decent about that. Even with Drew Locke also going to be out, Jeff Driscoll wasn't useless last year when filling in for Matt Stafford. Now the backup here for um, Drew Locke averaged 8.2 depth of target, average depth of target. So not horrible. And he kind of slung it around the yard there on Sunday. An awful matchup. He couldn't expect much against Pittsburgh. But I think he could sustain Judy uh, if needed here. So I like um, you know Driscoll to, to sustain these next three to five weeks for Jerry Judy, Noah Fant. 
Both guys, big risers on the rest of season, big board. But if you need replacements on the waiver wire, I'm guessing Robbie Anderson's not out there in leagues. We're going to talk about him a little bit. But Russell Gage, still only 21% owned, seen a 23% target share so far. That needs to correct itself. Chase Claypool, 5% owned, uh, going deep and getting bombs uh, from from Drew the Big Ben. The guy is just a size speed nightmare. So Chase Claypool could carve himself out a nice role there. And hell, if you're really desperate, Keelan Cole has led the Jaguars in targets and yards back-to-back weeks. Uh, 3% owned right there. Maybe he's finally emerging. We saw some huge games just a couple seasons ago down the stretch. So maybe Keelan Cole can become of interest for you if you're trying to fill in that. And as we covered already, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, going to be out for at least week three. Coleman looking at a multiple week injury. Mostert though, said mild, so probably one, two weeks. Let's get him healthy, get him back on the field. Now, if you're on Facebook, any likes and shares, always greatly appreciate it. I promise I see your comments coming in. I just want to rip through all the news for our pod fans and then ask me anything will ultimately emerge uh, from there. So please, any likes, shares, greatly appreciated. Same on Twitter. Always great. Let's get right back into your news. And we are on the risers of the week. Um, Actually, real quick, other injury notes. Devontae Adams did have a hamstring flare up. They said he probably could have returned to the game if it was competitive. It was not. So he did not have to go back in, uh, but should be back in week four, according to those tea leaves. Jimmy G also suffered an ankle sprain, but he was also in that position where he may have been able to return if they needed to. Uh, Kyle Shannon saying it's not a serious concern. He could even be back against the Giants this week. So nothing too worrisome. You're probably not relying on Garoppolo much anyways, uh, but just to, to keep track of him and the rest of this offense. And then Cam Akers, um, rib injury, no clue yet the severity of that. He did not return on Sunday, though, uh, so certainly nothing light. And Daryl Henderson looked great in his absence alongside you know Malcolm Brown still there, vulturing touchdowns. It's not a great situation for Cam Akers right now. You probably have to hold and see how this develops, but not feeling great at all. Let's now get into the risers of the week, though. And number one on my list, James Conner, fresh off a panic week. This guy's already hurt the ankle. He'll never stay on the field. (laughs) Comes in, gets 16 carries, 116 yards, and a TD, adding just for the workhorse exclamation point. A nice two receptions and 15 yards. Uh, Solid, solid day there against a good Broncos rundy that kind of stifled Derrick Henry the week before. More encouraging, Benny Snell was nowhere to be heard of despite all these 1A, 1B rumors. Uh, he only gets three carries, five yards on the sideline the whole way, confirming this is James Conner's workhorse role. It's still a Tomlin offense, and the man loves his bell cows. So as long as Conner holds up, he's a weekly top 10 guy. It's just a matter of how long is that going to be. Uh, if, if you somehow bought low last week, and his owner was panicking, then well, well done. I certainly wouldn't have advised it. I still would probably sell high after this game just because we know it's only a matter of time, a ticking time bomb. Sell high on James Conner, capitalize on this workhorse performance, but also a big bump in the big board uh, after this showing. Antonio Gibson, my next big riser, the emerging number one for the Washington football team. A lot, not a huge day here. 55 yards, touchdown. You know, nobody should be going crazy celebrating a stat line like that. 
but there's definitely some very, very encouraging signs. One was the touchdown, the goal line touch. Peyton Barber, nowhere to be heard from one carry on the day. That is probably the biggest development is after 17 carries, the team was sick of what they saw as they should be 1.7 yards a carry. Horrible, but also 66.7% snap share for Antonio Gibson. That's huge. Very few backs get that many snaps. That's clear workhorse potential that upped, uh, you know, from, from 18 to 43 the week before, he ran eight routes to now 22 in a single week and sees his nine carries bump up to 14, including that goal line red zone usage. All extremely encouraging signs for Antonio Gibson on a, uh, a Washington team that's starting to look a little more competitive on offense. Haskins, you know, nothing special, but McLaurin, the way he can light it up. Uh, Gibson, buy low now. If somebody's just looking at his stats and seeing uh, 11 fantasy points, whatever, that snap share, those touches, those routes run, all extremely encouraging for Antonio Gibson. Now, welcome back to the workhorse pool, Miles Sanders. What an unbelievable performance to just, and especially as the, the pool thins out with Christian McCaffrey and Saquon now being gone, this performance could not be understated. 20 carries for 95 yards and a TD also getting three receptions and an additional 36 yards, humongous ultimate stat performance, but just even bigger in the sense that it is confirmed. He is the bell cow. There's no easing this guy in. This isn't, you know, Doug Peterson's going to play his shenanigans with committees. We got career high targets. We got 83% of the carries, 70% of the targets, 77% of the total snaps and, and 20 carries plus those, you know, just an absolute tsunami of work for this guy, despite missing time with the hamstring. So health confirmed, workhorse role confirmed, absolute monster talent still there looking fantastic. All things coming up, Miles Sanders, you have to be beyond thrilled if you are an owner and waiting patiently for him uh, to see this type of performance against the pretty tough Rams uh, front seven there. So well done by Miles Sanders. Feel great about that. Uh, we already covered, you know, James Conner on the Steelers, but Deontay Johnson might be the sneaky bigger storyline here. Gets eight of his 13 targets hauled in for 92 yards and the touchdown. The bigger story, though, yes, the target share is enormous, but now he's up to 23, leads the team in back-to-back -back games and targets. 23 is towards the top in the league in general. But compared to the rest of the receiving core, Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah, he had those two touchdowns week one, but Deontay has now out-targeted him 23-14, to 14, and the air yards are a whopping 144 for Deontay to 58 for Juju. That is a massive, massive differential for the guy that is widely considered the number two, probably still thought of as the number two by most. To me, this is looking very firmly like Deontay's the number one, he looks so smooth out there, getting open at will, knifing through defenses. And this is a Denver secondary that's not, you know, they lost Harris. They're not amazing, but they certainly are towards the, the top half in the league. So this is some very encouraging play from Deontay. Uh, and I think is until his owners are recognizing him as the true number one, you've got to start considering some good buy low. Uh, it, it probably not buy low at this point, but you're not going to get him at cost if they're not valuing him as a true number one. And you got to, that, that's how I view him now 
moving forward, a top 15, top 20 wide receiver, uh, whereas Juju gets a little bit bumped down uh, with Deontay exploding as such. Now, next on my list, Jonathan Taylor. I am the captain now. And that is because this dude commanded everything out of the backfield. Legitimately did not get off the field in the first quarter and saw 11 carries in that span. 44 carry pace on the day. What a whopping start. He was thriving with it, ripping chunk gain after chunk gain, ultimately getting 26 carries for 101 yards and the score hauling in another two catches for nine yards. Huge effort, but bigger story is the fact that he saw 49 snaps as compared to 17 for Wilkins for God knows why, and then only nine for Naeem Hines, the the darling of last week. We're going to cover him in a little bit. Holy shit, only one touch for Naeem Hines as compared to 28 for Jonathan Taylor. If you had any doubts this was going to be this monster's backfield Make sure they're a race now. We told you he's going to be top 10 rest of season. Now should probably be bumped into your top eight, top seven. A tough crowd to crack, but he is right up there in the elite as a rest of season first rounder, in my opinion. Now, speaking of fantasy cheat codes, Josh Allen. What what a ridiculous performance from Josh Allen on Sunday. And now back-to-back weeks, he is your high scorer in fantasy behind only Russell Wilson right now. Uh, He goes 417 yards, four touchdowns, in addition to some scrambling for another 18 yards. So just imagine, I mean, the Konami code didn't even... Wasn't even needed here for this dude to go over 35 fantasy points. What a monster effort. 47, 46, 38, 26 yard uh, monster completions going deep down the field. He's got 729 yards uh, through two games. Just an insane, this was a career high, this 417 aerial performance from a guy that is widely considered horrible as a thrower. Just clearly these weapon upgrades with digs is just going to make this offense unstoppable. And what I love most about this guy and why I'm labeling his cheat code is even when they get up big, like we saw it in week one, up by two scores the whole game against the pathetic Jets, and they still threw it you know, 40 times. They're still keeping the pedal on the metal, even you know, bombing deep to John Brown when it wasn't even you know completely necessary just to keep showing that we can. A lot of four wide receiver sets, lots of pre-snap motion, just a creative offense that's looking very, very tough for defenses to stop. Now, it was against the Jets. It was against the Dolphins. Let's not crown this guy fantasy king shit yet. But man, the way this offense is operating has to have anybody that owns Josh Allen extremely encouraged. I got shout TJ Hernandez on Twitter. Dude was labeling him the potential number one fantasy quarterback as a cheat code. And it's looking to come up in spades here. And in that light, Stephon Diggs, the number one of this emerging fantasy cheat code, always good to be attached to a guy that's balling out. Diggs gets 13 targets, massive target share, hauls in eight of them for 153 and a score. It just was dazzling all day, ripping up chunk play after chunk play. The the ankle breaking routes are just, he's one of the best, if not the best route runner in the league. Uh, and, And Allen is not taking his value. And conversely, he's just giving Diggs jump ball opportunities. You know, we thought a low-volume Vikings attack escaping that would be counteracted by Josh Allen's inaccuracies. The way Josh Allen's balling out, though, 
This is going to be a beautiful thing for Stefan Diggs. He bumps up 15 spots in my wide receiver rankings and has to be considered an elite wide receiver to low-end wide receiver one. Let's see him do it in some tougher matchups coming up, though. Another emerging fantasy quarterback cheat code, Cam Newton. Another gem of a day, but what is so encouraging about it is it came through the air and the ground, not just the two rushing touchdowns. Now, he goes back-to-back two rushing touchdown scores uh, from week one, week two, some four TDs on the ground already. That was what we expected. That's why you know Hannibal coming in and saying they're remodeling this offense around him. The rushing Konami code upside is just out of this world. But then to see him huck it 44 times in a negative game script where they had to play catch-up duty and a compile 397 with a score might be one of, if not the best passing performance we've seen uh, from this guy, Cam Newton, at least in, in years, you know, the MVP season, we definitely had some four or five passing touchdown days, but just uh, amazing throws too. high degree of difficulty connecting with Edelman deep Nikhil Harry going down the field uh, and just making effortless uh, really high difficulty throws look effortless. This was not the Cam Newton we saw last year with the, you know, ailed by the shoulder, elbow, all those different concerns. This guy can rope it. He's running. He's playing wild. This looks like MVP Cam, folks. And certainly the fantasy results would agree. The number three score in fantasy, only again, Allen and Russell Wilson have more fantasy points right now than this guy. We know the rushing upside is going to happen every single week. Now, when you can project a, a week for shootouts or, or them playing from behind the Patriots, it, it's just he's game. It's not like he's game flow dependent because the scores are always going to be there on the ground. But knowing that he can also get it done in these types of situations locks him into a top six quarterback spot in the rest of season rankings, right in tier one, alongside the Dax, alongside the Kylers, alongside again Josh Allen. Now, too, uh, those guys all belong. And I wouldn't even say, you know, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes are that significantly steps above Cam, Allen, Murray, Dak, that whole tier, I think is is just one now rather than having those two guys clearly above them looking down. Aaron Jones, you know, I regret greatly not having this guy in my top 10 and now even top five coming into the year. AJ Dillon's going to vulture everything. I, I bought into it. I was nervous about the touchdown regression. I didn't factor in just how good this guy can and probably will be as a wide receiver too. 168 yards on the ground, two scores, just in terms of pure running ability has to be in any top five list, in my opinion, right alongside, you know, Chubb and Henry uh, Jones is an amazing rusher, but the target share is what's really intriguing here. Eight targets catches four of them for another 68 yards and score uh, the clear high score of the week. Uh, if you had him in DraftKings, congratulations, but it is very intriguing that a lot of this work comes when Devonte Adams gets banged up. He has 14 targets and a 19% share on his 36 routes this year. So when he's on the field, he's getting targeted uh, on almost all of them. 36 routes, 14 targets. Let, let me just repeat that again. Crazy amount of share. So whenever he's running routes, he's getting targeted. And now you know Adam's banged up, probably going to play, but it is worth noting on any time uh, Devontae Adams has missed time or not played a full game, that, that amounts to six games. Ian Harditz tweeting out, uh, Aaron Jones has seven, eight, seven, four, eight, and eight targets in all those. And we just saw what he can do. And if you watch the game, some of those catches, you know, leaping 
high degree of difficulty catches. So all this to say is one, don't we, we all overreacted to the AJ Dillon news uh, Two, these touchdown totals are still they, they lofty and he could end up hitting them again. Three, he has to be top six overall on any big board moving forward. Um, it, it's absolutely dominant. The share he has. And again, uh, speaking of those slot games, six snaps in the slot again from Ian Harditz, He's only done that twice, including this week. And then also against the Chiefs in 2019, he had seven catches, 159, and two TDs on those eight targets, uh, seven receptions. So the dude can ball out when he uses a receiver. And we're seeing that this year, which is buoying the value that we thought might regress. A last couple of risers here, the Herbert effect. Uh, man, was that in effect this week with the Chargers. You know, Josh Kelly. Um, you know, we got Austin Eckler, we got Keenan Allen, uh, all showing better because of Justin Herbert, a nice stabilizing force at quarterback showing a lot of balls too, almost getting the win on, you know, against Kansas city, the defending super bowl champs. Now is Anthony Lynn going to be a complete moron? Maybe he's suggesting that Tyrod Taylor is still their starter and he didn't see enough from Justin Herbert. I mean, what's the dude fucking thinking? I don't get it. But ultimately, if Herbert's the starter, we saw a ton of positive developments. Eckler, one, getting targeted far more than he did the week before, seeing four targets, hauling them all in for 55 yards, more space on the ground, gets 93 yards on the ground, doesn't find the end zone, unfortunately. We're still waiting for that Austin Eckler beastly TD day, but a solid effort nonetheless. Uh, Josh Kelly, though, 23 fucking carries. My good Lord, Josh Kelly, not overly efficient with 64, but does find his way uh, into the end zone or no, he didn't. Yeah. Sorry. He had 49 yards as a receiver as well. Two catches. So no touchdowns, but getting the goal line work still there somehow still out there in over half a league. So Josh Kelly, uh, you know, talking about backup plans for Saquon and, and Christian McCaffrey, he's got to be the first one. You look facing Carolina this week, nonetheless, uh, definitely a touchdown this week. Keenan Allen also rises seven catches, 96 yards on 10 targets, very much benefited from that nice rhythm passing from Justin Herbert. So let's keep our fingers crossed that Herbert remains the guy moving forward. CD Lamb, speaking of the guy, holy hell. I, I knew this guy, you know, own him on so many teams, and I am beyond thrilled to do so. He hauls in six of his nine targets for a rip roar and 106 yards. And it's just, you see him. He's in there every freaking snap in the slot, moving over the place in motion. And he is smooth beyond all belief. Like you, you see somebody pop off the field every time he touches it, or even just every route he runs is silky and it's fast. And it looks like a different level than a lot of the players around him. Uh, so I, I love what I'm seeing. He has now out-targeted Michael Gallup in back-to-back weeks. And speaking of Gallup, a pathetic day, two catches on five targets, 58 yards. And we very much predicted this. We very much said we're super low on Gallup because we think CeeDee Lamb's going to be better. And thus far, it has completely been the case where CeeDee out-targeting Gallup, who now only has 108 scoreless yards on the season. Uh, You don't drop Gallup but he has definitely fallen to to not must start territory in my opinion, whereas CD lamb on the opposite end has risen to must start territory. I love this performance. Last couple here, Brown's running backs. Uh, This was a Thursday night nugget. So not necessarily Sunday's action, but we wrote an article called why Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt can both feast in fantasy. 
And to this Thursday night display was the exact epitome of that. 22 carries for Chubb, 124 and a pair of TDs, just steamrolling that defense of the Bengals. But not to be outdone, Kareem Hunt also pounding in two scores, one through the air, one on the ground, 86 yards rushing, 15 yards passing. So both guys having monster, monster days, just as we predicted. Now, clearly at that point then, Kareem Hunt becomes the better fantasy pick because you got him for around 6-7 price. He now has 36 points on the year compared to uh, Nick Chubb, who's who's just below him after this big blow-up day. But overall, you got to be thoroughly encouraged, one by the line improvements. I mean, they were just mauling this defensive front of the Bengals all over the place. Two, zone blocking scheme looking so much better. That's a system that does take a few weeks, some repetitions. Like that's one that in the preseason would have greatly benefited from some action to really gain that cohesion. Cause you cannot run a zone blocking scheme without everybody being on the same page. So chalk that bad week on up to a lack of chemistry, a tough, awful Baltimore, you know, defense that that was a tough matchup with this line fully churning with that zone blocking scheme, really looking great. I loved what I saw from this run game and I feel great about these guys. Um, Chubb, you know, high end, both high end RB twos, honestly, in my opinion, I still value Chubb just a little bit higher than hunt. Although hunt does have the standalone receiving value. So maybe that could flip as the season goes, just both monster running backs though. Guy that I hate positively about as anybody on here would know that's Mr. David Montgomery, but you got to give the guy credit when you got to give the guy credit. See 16 carries uh, as well as three targets. So a nice approaching that 20 opportunity threshold and racks up a robust 127 total yards, uh, 45 through the air, 82 on the ground and pounds in a score. Oh God, I was down on him and I'm not necessarily saying I'm back in on him, I, again, you know, similar to some other guys earlier, would probably recommend selling high here. I don't think it gets much better than this matchup here against the Giants. I mean, joke, fucking pathetic. But ultimately, the, the workhorse role is there. You, you can tell when they're up and, and have a positive game script, they're going to be feeding this guy. Um, it just depends you know, when they're underdogs. Is he going to continue to maintain that? That's why I think Tariq Cohen could see some sneaky bigger involvement in the coming weeks when it's not you know, the, the Detroit Lions. It's not the Giants. We're going to see negative game scripts. And if Montgomery responds and he's in all game, then I will have to eat even more crow. But at this point, I'm probably taking this opportunity to gauge the value, especially for a you know Saquon, Christian McCaffrey owner. If you're, you're stacked at running back and you can depart with Montgomery and get like a, a nice wide receiver too, for this guy, I would definitely start exploring those trade waters. Uh, but three down monster in the right game flow, still nice to see if you own him. Escaping from Gase, the great escape, always a great place to get away from Adam Gase. But Robbie Anderson, the latest to explode out of the awful, looming, disgusting shadow of Adam Gase, as our tailback Tino calls him, the talent sucker, the ruiner. Just you go there to die. He sees 10 targets, hauls in nine of them, Robbie Anderson, for 109 yards. Uh, this is fresh off a 115-yard TD day the week before seeing eight targets. So I mean, 17 targets, you know, 18 targets these last couple of weeks. 
No joke. And it's not just, you know, standard Robbie stretch the field and be a decoy and, and open up everything for everybody else. He's getting screens. He's getting peppered over the middle. He's racking up yak right now. It's not just air yards, Robbie. That's a big development that he fits this Joe Brady scheme. I mean, they Matt rule who played, who coached him at temple clearly went out and wanted this guy for a reason. And it's looking like he might emerge as a true alpha. Now, I mean, DJ Moore also balled out, uh, reaffirmed that he's the number one here. But Robbie Anderson, a close Robin to his Batman, just a matter of what's left here for Curtis Samuel, unless he starts getting some backfield touches in that Christian McCaffrey uh, less offense right now. Last few, another escape of Adam Gase is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, and ever since he's been out of Gase's shadow, the guy's done nothing but ball out. He's currently outscoring Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in the majority of leagues, depending on your settings. And he's still only 46% owned. I, I don't get it. What's what's not to like here? He was the quarterback three last year once he took over as the starter. Uh, only Lamar Jackson had more points per game on average there. And he comes out has a nice four-touchdown day. Everybody's screaming. Titans have to regress as an offense. They were so damn efficient in the red zone. There's no way they do it again. And they're doing it again. I think Arthur Smith might be a, a real offensive genius here. Um, and with defenses just selling out to stop Henry, it's old school. It's ground and bound. It's establishing the run that nobody you know wants to or gravitates to in the modern game. But then Arthur Smith's getting so creative off of that, kind of like Kyle Shanahan in a, a way, where he you know, 45% runs, uh, 55 rather, a majority runs. And just the, the way he builds off it, though, it's not just the matter of establishing the run. It's what you build off of that. And Arthur Smith does a great job, especially within the red zone, of building in some sneaks, some bootlegs. Uh, and this all, again, came without A.J. Brown there, almost 30 points this week. So when he gets his stalwart number one back, I mean, the Tannehill disrespect at minimum. Let's see this guy, please get over 50% owned. Like, what, what are we doing here? Uh, last three, three risers, three last risers, then the fallers, then your questions. Is Leonard Fournette going to take over for Ronald Jones? It sure seems so. And uh, by the performance, it definitely suggests he should. Sees 12 carries, rips him up for 103 yards and two scores while also catching four balls for 13 yards. Now, the vast majority of this came on that monster 46-yard touchdown late in the game, but Jones fumbled. Fournette comes in, kind of grinds it out, scores a touchdown the next drive. And Meanwhile, Ronald Jones only seen seven carries, 23 yards, two passes, and a score. Uh, you know, without that early touchdown, Jones would have been a complete bust on the day, and it looked Fournette looked better. At multiple parts of the game, they Bruce Arians came out and said, "I really want Fournette in this closer role. I love what he did. What if he also gets the starter role too? So we know he's going to close out when they're up big. I think Tom Brady's going to build leads more often than he doesn't, and uh, that's all just negative for Jones, who fought, fell on the, the big board pretty hard this week while Fournette rose a decent amount. And I'm not saying they're both locked in, dependable. You know, you, you can have Fournette and not think twice." Probably not. I mean, Arians just is all over the place with his running backs. But Arians, when he finds his guy, also typically rides them. And it seems like Fournette's starting to emerge as his guy. He's certainly not going to take any more Ronald Jones fumbles. 
So the big boost here for Fournette, both outperforming and, and better ball security than Ronald Jones on Sunday. Tyler Higby. We're going to talk about two monster tight end performances, uh, one of them being Tyler Higby hauling in five targets, which is nothing special. Five targets. Oh, boy, that, that, that seems like a recipe for disaster. The week before, he had five targets and turned them into only 40 yards, uh, barely usable. But this week, he catches all five, 54, and three of those catches went for touchdowns. So a beastly, beastly day. Jared Goff was looking for him everywhere in the red zone. And this was the type of usage, especially in the red zone area that we saw last year facilitated the number one tight end finish over those last five weeks, better than Kittle, better than Kelsey. Nobody outscored Higby, who was on pace for like 170 targets. Now the the volume was not quite there yet, but the scores were, uh, the offense remains, you know, dominant two tight ends. Uh, Play action is, is fantastic for Higby getting open down those seams just looked really, really good in that that rapport. Whereas he was an afterthought last week, we saw right where he left off last year here. So I think we see a little balance of those two um, kind of meet in the middle here and have a nice Higby rest of season. And the last tight end on my list, a monster blow-up day from Mike Gusecki, the athletic freak out of Penn State, sees a whopping 11 targets, hauls in eight of them, despite running only 35 routes. So targeted nearly every third route that he ran accumulates 129 yards and a score. Despite the losing effort, uh, everything about that was beastly. You could not be stopped Gasecki by corners, by, by safeties, you know, linebackers obviously got dusted, but even Tredavious white in the red zone gave up the touchdown to Gasecki. Uh, the guy is obviously, if you look at his player profiler or any of those good metrics, Everything comes up as a freak athlete. And now that he's seeing you know, a lot of slot snaps, that, that you know, Chan Gailey, he never throws to his tight end, right? Well, what if he uses his tight end as a big-bodied slot receiver? That is exactly what we're seeing. Uh, so ultimately, a monster day from this guy. Tough stretch of defenses and uh, still getting it done against the Bills. Got a few more tough games coming up. His athleticism is not going to waste. It was not just Gailey hates his tight ends and will never throw to him. We saw that this game. Uh, we saw Fitzpatrick, you know, just as he does with his wide receivers, bombing it up and letting his big body go make a play. Uh, and that's all just heck he did every single time they went his way on Sunday. So that covers all our risers of the week. The fallers list, rest of season fallers, isn't quite as extensive as that. Crazy Sunday, folks. Uh, but we do have a few quick names to rip through. I see we got 44 questions. I promise you not ignoring them just for the podcast sake, trying to keep it smooth here. So I appreciate so deeply your patience here. Uh, and if you listen to the podcast, Fantasy Fullback Dad, we paid that path. The 2020 titles, likes, subscriptions, all that good stuff and reviews are so appreciated. Naeem Hines. Fantasy Fools Gold off the week one waiver. Oh, man, if you buried your fab into this guy, my apologies. I mean, I kind of endorsed it. I How could you not? I mean, huge target share week one, two scores. I think the, the second or third highest score in running back in week one. Phillip Rivers, 17 targets to the running back. I mean, everything was like, okay, Hines is going to have a huge role. Even you know, Frank Wright coming out and saying this week, Yet Hines still has a massive role despite uh, Jonathan Taylor taking over as our starter. And what does Hines do but one touch? 0.9. 
half PPR fantasy points. Whew. That'll kill the lineup. Definitely worth some hate cutting if it's going to be cathartic for you. Uh, my God, that was a disgusting performance. And I don't think you have to go out and sprint and cut this guy. I think when the game flow is right, he's going to still see his like, you know six to 10 target days. And, and he looked so explosive week one. He's not just going to disappear like this every single week. But Taylor is also the real fucking deal, as we have said. Um, and, and when they are up and when they're running, they're not going to go away from the guy, nor should they go away from the guy. So Hines back to, you know, where I thought he might get away from his game flow dependent status without Marlon Mack there. And I thought they might split carries just a little bit. No, God, no, not even close. So Naeem Hines, a definite faller, not someone you can rely on, not someone you can trust. And if you have a good waiver wire, if your league's pretty shallow, you could potentially send him packing. Another Colt, though, I guess it, let's go first to some other fantasy waiver wire fool's gold. It's tricky because you never want to underreact to week one. In my experience, it seems to be that owners underreact instead of overreacting. Uh, but it seems like Hines and Malcolm Brown might both be overreactions uh, based on what we saw on Sunday. Daryl Henderson comes on in uh, and lights it up. You know, Sean McVay wants to show this is my guy. I spent the third rounder on last year. Uh, we Everybody raved about him. Gets 12 carries, 81 yards, and a score. Looks real explosive um, in, in, in doing so. He's out there in 30% of the league. Also hauls in two catches for 40. So, I mean, this was 121 total yards for Daryl compared to 47 for the far less explosive looking Brown, who also got a little dinged up in the game. At this point, it seems to me like it's going to be the Daryl Henderson show until Akers is back, and then we get a little bit of a muddy picture. Uh, but Henderson was taking goal line carries, uh, outtouches him fourteen to eleven. Malcolm Brown, uh, and yeah, it's still a committee. You know that's what Sean McVay is going to do this year. It's pretty clear, but it looks to me like uh, Daryl Henderson, especially with Akers uncertain, is the lead guy in this committee against the Bills must target amidst this injury waiver madness of the week. Um, so Malcolm Brown, though, definitely you know, hits the bench here until we see him reemerge, if we ever see him reemerge. Not convinced we will, folks. Putabo, uh, the Colts, and someone disappointing us? Oh, man, what's it going to be for T.Y. Hilton? This has been a awful, awful, awful start to the year for Mr. T.Y. Hilton doing absolutely nothing against a Viking secondary that had just gotten battered, beaten, smashed all over by Devontae Adams and, and that Vikings, uh, that, that a Packers wide receiving core had given up the most fantasy points of all to the wide receiver position. T.Y. manages a nice, robust three catches for 28 yards. That has no business, folks. On my team, on your team, that is disgusting. And if you're not going to do it against the Vikings, then when can you? Who are you going to do it against? I am significantly concerned right now. I don't know if it's Philip Rivers just has his arm cooked. I don't know if those two just don't have a rapport. I don't know if this offense is phasing T.Y. out, but has not yet topped 53 yards. You have 53, then 28, four catches season high. It, it is inefficient. It's gross. It's just not happening. Uh, and T.Y. Hilton has to be placed on benches until further noticed. Again, you can't do it against the Vikings. When the fuck's it going to happen? Will Fuller, we hope you listened and sold high, folks. A nice goose egg for Mr. Fuller. And worse than the lack of production, 
you saw what we always knew you were going to see in and out and stretching and then what's going on. And it's all mysterious. No one knows, but he certainly was not his full explosive self. And he certainly was not in for every snap and he did absolutely nothing. Uh, so ultimately Will Fuller, we told you to sell high last week with all this Will Fuller's an alpha wide receiver, one buzz going. And I hope you capitalized uh, just like we again think you should probably sell high on David Montgomery uh, and a few of these other guys we've talked about that had these big blow up days. James Connor, you know, a ticking time bomb. Will Fuller was a ticking time bomb and it's already de detonated on you. Uh, so ultimately you have to be discouraged. If you held on, you didn't buy, you know, you didn't sell high. He fell about 30, 40 spots on my rest of the season, big board, just a headache. I don't want to deal with some guys to cut too. Rob Gronkowski, Chris Herndon, send their asses on pack into the waiver wire. I know 11 catches or 11 yards right now for Rob Gronkowski on the season. Bruce Arians offense, never been tight end friendly and certainly not for a guy looking slow, sluggish, and just not himself anymore. So Gronkowski, see you later. That John U. Smith over Rob Gronkowski tweet looking pretty good right now for all you people giving me shit for that one. And then Chris Herndon. I never got the love on this guy. Yeah, you know, everybody asking me about Herndon in the, the beginning of the year, but then everybody also loved Crowder and they also loved Perriman and it's Sam Donald, the quarterback. And even without these guys there, Herndon doesn't do jack shit. The guy just gets so much praise every year because Adam Gase decides to gargle his balls and he doesn't do anything ever with it. Hopefully you didn't fall for the trap. We gave you Mo Alley Cox over him. We gave you Joe Jordan Reed over him. There were some options to go to over Herndon. And if you did him yet again, it is time, folks, to send that ass onto the waiver wire. Uh, so Chris Herndon, absolute, you know, just complete disgusting performance from this guy. You cannot feel good. You got to cut him. Just fucking hate cut the dude uh, alongside Rob Gronkowski. Now, guy I am not pleased to say down on because I still think he's a monster. But that's J.K. Dobbins. What the fuck? Yeah, it's two carries? What? And of course, he rips 44 yards on one of them because he is the best back there. I still think it's only a matter of time till he takes over and is a league winner. But it's going to probably take a little bit longer than I expected when Gus Edwards <laughs> sees 10 fucking touches. Oh, what? Why? Huh? Who? Gus Edwards? I mean, what what's the point of that? What is the fucking point of Gus Edwards? I mean, Gus Edwards actually looked pretty decent getting his 10 carries. I've always actually kind of liked Gus Edwards as this big, huge body that can steamroll. But come on, you got J.K. fucking Dobbins. You spend a round two pick on this guy, and I think it was one of the steals of the draft. The guy is unbelievable, and we saw it on his limited work here. But if he's going to be this uncertain every week, you know, no more – Goal line staples here this week is, is Mark Ingram scoring the 30-yard scamper. Uh, Dobbins not seeing any of the goal line work this week. That, that was what made us confident you could start him. If you're only getting two carries and it's just going to be that much of a carousel, then fuck you, Greg Roman. I, I, can't, I can't get aboard that. So very concerning. Uh, Dobbins now becomes a bench fixture, one of the best bench fixtures you can have because I still, again, think it's a matter of time. When he gets his touches, he's going to keep showing I'm the best guy. It just matters when they wake up and use him that way. Uh, but definitely a downer for him. And then last two fallers here, Todd Gurley. 
just completely and utterly touchdown dependent uh, and didn't score this week. So did nothing for your lineup. If he doesn't score early, like he did in week one, you're getting just dud after dud after dud because this offense is going to take it to the air uh, almost exclusively this season. One, because that defense is just god-awful. Two, because their run-blocking line is god-awful. Uh, so we see you know, 12 points last week, six points this week. Just not going to happen for Todd Gurley there in Atlanta, as predicted. So I- I'm not a fan. Don't want him in my lineups most weeks. Because most weeks the car the uh, the Falcons are going to go down, they're going to go down big, and Gurley's going to become phased out completely. It's too bad he's not the third down back, because uh, th- then they're they're going to again be throwing so often. Just not Gurley's role. He'll have you know a couple random two, maybe even three touchdown days mixed in here. But Dirk Cutter loves his committees, and, and Gurley's on the wrong side of a committee, given this is such a pass happy attack. And last but not least, is it time? to smash that panic button on Mr. Joe Mixon. Ooh, it's getting damn close, isn't it, folks? I'm sure your blood's boiling just as mine is for anywhere you own Joe Mixon. I'm not panicking quite yet, though. I The guy is just so fucking damn good. He's he, Every time he caught the ball, he was making a man miss and ripping up yardage. Meanwhile, we see Geo fucking bumass Bernard getting hit and, and going down the second he gets touched getting two minute drills. Like what I don't get Zach Taylor head coach of the Bengals is why did you rave about how good Mixon was the second half of the year, how you turned your offensive keys over to the guy and you saw the results and they were beautiful. Mixon was the RB four in fantasy. That offense was humming. I mean, he was racking up like 160 scrimmage yards a game. It was an unbelievable. Most carries in the league over that second half of the year all to, to hype him up, to kick those, to pump those tires and, and give him you know, 10, 10, 12 touches a game. What, what are we doing? What are we doing? He's such a good receiver too. You know, it, it should not be a game flow dependent guy. And if he is in it and that's what it looks like, that's not fucking good because the Bengals newsflash still suck, especially on defense the offensive line. The other concern here, you know, they don't look much better. They got their first rounder of last year back, and it's not making much of a whole difference. He's getting still stuffed behind the line. Burrow's getting killed every time he throws. I'm intrigued and I'm encouraged by how good Burrow looks because it should mean more touchdown opportunities for Joe Mixon. Uh, I'm holding. I'm buying low too. If I if you know his owner is panicking, because I do think it becomes the Mixon show at some point, and the offensive improvement by Burrow I think just continues. And I think by week five, six, this offense really starts to hum. I think the line really starts to gel. Uh, And we just see a whole different Bengals scheme that's centered around Mixon. That's what I'm banking on, uh, where I'm going to start tossing out my buy lows. But we'll find out. And now, uh, you know, waiver wire sneak peek. I'm going to do a full exclusive waiver wire show tomorrow, talking about fab, talking about all your good stuff. But let me get you the names of who you have to be looking at here on your wave wire. Number one, Jarek McKinnon, we talked about 22% owned. Uh, you know, if you're a long-term Roto follower this preseason, he should not be available in your league because he should be on your bench. He was our must hammer late round penny stock. And it's already, you know, just the usage in general was great. The receiving usage, all that good stuff. But now two starters gone in front of him. If he, you know, shows it, let me uh, quickly switch over the overlay here. If, if we see, McKinnon 
performed to his upside. I mean, this guy is a freak spark athlete. Kyle Shanahan gave him the fourth richest running back deal at the time because of how much he got lost in his tape. And now he has his shot to be the every down back. He might take this and completely run with it. Now, Mostert has looked so good that I can't imagine he doesn't return and have a role, but McKinnon could really carve himself out like the clear cut 1A, 1B. Like I'm going to see 14 to 15 touches every week, including a monster 20 or so against the Giants. So you're getting weak, you know, weak streamer, especially if you lost your Saquon and Christian McCaffrey, and then a really good shot at some nice standalone value. That makes McKinnon my my hands-on favorite for the waiver wire pickup of the week. But Mike Davis, not far behind, now that we know Christian McCaffrey could be out four to six weeks, sees eight targets, hauls them all in, all in the fourth quarter for 70 yards, uh, 74 to be exact. That's He's going to be the bell cow. There's really, honestly, there's nobody else. Davis, whenever he's gotten work, has been you know, churned. He's, he's ugly. He doesn't get anything like sexy, but he does go forward and plow. And we're going to see that physical boy get, you know, 15 to 20 touches every single week. Good bet for a touchdown every week. So another one, if you're a desperate at running back, you need that Barkley or C-Mac fill-in. Got to throw a lot to the wire to get this uh, this sub. But Daryl Henderson, also 31% owned. We already talked about it. 121 yards and a score. Uh, out-touching, out-playing, out-everything. Malcolm Brown could be that lead back, should be that lead back, expecting to be that lead back here moving forward. Also, Russell Gage, 21% owned, seeing 23% target share. Definite great replacement for a Cortland Sutton. Uh, Gardner Minshew, somehow only 32% owned. I don't understand that one. I mean, Minshew's been lighting the league on fire here, completes you know 19 of 20 in week one, comes back you know in a, a game script where he has to keep them competitive. 30 of 45, 339, and three scores. I mean, the guy is balling. He likes this Jay Gruden system, it sure seems, uh, and he's thrived. So that needs to get up to, you know, 70%. And I have Gardner Minshew ranked above Drew Brees in my rest of season rankings, rest of season big board up there. Uh, you also get Chase Claypool at wide receiver. Uh, I like the athleticism this dude brings, uh, the Steelers attack, that 80-yard bomb touchdown. I think it's going to happen more often than than – you know, this guy has Martavis Bryant measurables without all that off-field baggage. So let's let's respect this guy for the freak he is and make sure he's owned in a lot more than 5% of leagues. Mo Ali Cox and uh, Dalton Schultz, two tight ends that completely feasted. Mo Ali Cox, the highest graded pro football focus grade uh, since like Rob Gronkowski five years ago with a 94, you know, the classic basketball, you know, big body rebounder. You saw it all though. I mean, again, 115 yards on a day that T.Y. Hilton <laughs> mustered. Right? What, what do we even say here? Mo Ali Cox, like out outscoring T.Y. Hilton by like you know five more targets, 111 yards, just a, a monster all day. Uh, Jordan Reed too. If George Kittle is out, another play there. But Schultz, let's talk about this guy uh, real quick for the Cowboys. 10 targets, hauls in nine of them. Team high, nonetheless, 10 targets. 88 yards and a TDI. You can't expect a team high 10 targets to go to this dad runner every week. But he's got to be on your fantasy map because this offense, we can clearly tell, is always going to be pounding it and getting down the field. And a big body with Dak, you know, putting that ball where he wants it in the red zone, Schultz will definitely carry 
uh, a good touchdown a week type of upside. I mean, would not be shocked to see this guy pound in eight to 10 touchdowns by the end of the season. This complete nobody for the record. And, and if he's going to get these type of intermediate, like chain moving looks, like we saw Jason Witten get last year, but to himself, because Blake Jarwin's done. I mean, Dalton Schultz, a, a huge, huge benefactor this week of that Blake Jarwin you know, injury. Wish I had definitely stacked him in a few other leagues. And we mentioned Keelan Cole when we talked about Cortland Sutton, only 3% owned. Hall's in six of his seven targets for 58 yards and a score. Second time he scored a touchdown. Second time he's out-targeted DJ Chark for the week. Um, I love LaVisca Chenault also there. But Keelan Cole, you know, amidst all the buzz about Chenault being the running back receiver, it deserved buzz nonetheless. He's kind of getting overlooked here. Um, so definitely keep Keelan Cole on your waiver wire radar. We talked about Gaskins as well. Uh, you know, seven touches, seven targets, the clear lead back right now for Miami on a Miami offense. That's really been moving the ball pretty well, even in tough matchups here. So I like him. And then last but not least your giants running backs. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Gallman? Is it going to be Dion? Is it going to be Devonta Freeman? We don't know, but until we find out it's worth a speculative ad on all three. And definitely just make sure you check Josh Kelly is not available in your league. If he is, come on up to the big leagues and, and do something better than that. that, that that's garbage. All righty, guys. That is your week two recap. And what a fucking crazy week two it was. Thank you so much for tuning in, Wolfpack. Always a pleasure being able to recap these games with you. If you're on the podcast, Fantasy Fullback Guy, we pave your path to 2020 titles. Thanks so much. Consider coming to the live show next time. So you can ask your questions, get your team customized answers. Uh, but you can find all our content, rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves. I personally am at rotostreetwolf on Twitter. Always answering your DMs and questions. Until next week, week three, Wolfpack. Hope you squeeze out all your week two wins here on Monday Night Football. And let's go dominate in week three. Wolfpack, I am out. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause, oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second down, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.